Welcome to the Global Band Group, a podcast that brings you stories, news, and great guests from across the world of wind, brass, marching band, and drum corps. My name is Keith Kelly, and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode, I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, and how they're making an impact in their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the global band room. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the band room. We have a great episode for you today. Today I'm going to be interviewing Ryan Hancock, director of the Calgary Stampede Show Band, one of the finest marching bands around the world. And Ryan is such a nice guy as well. So that's coming up later in the show. But first, some news. So Bands of Ireland has partnered with St. Patrick's Day to organise this year's virtual events. Obviously, St. Patrick's Festival is not going ahead in the traditional sense of the word, but we are organising virtual performances for bands across the country and our international friends as well. Now, depending on when you listen to this podcast, you may already be past the closing date. Our Irish bands in Leinster, Munster and Connacht, those three Irish provinces, the closing date is this Sunday, February 14th. Valentine's Day. Now, if you're in Ulster, in the north of Ireland, or in Donegal, uh, or if you're an international musician or band, you have up until Sunday the 21st of February to record Danny Boy for that. All of the information is on bandsofireland.com. You can download your packing tracks, your sheet music, you can upload your music, you can get tips and tricks and, and find it, find out all the information about how to get involved over there at bandsofireland.com. So here is your opportunity to be part of an international band festival in 2021. There's not gonna be too many of those opportunities this year. Now, if you're a member of the Facebook group, the Global Band Room Facebook group, and if you're listening to this podcast, you should be, um, The you may have seen some posts by Jorgen Lund Carlsen. He's from a group called Blasmafian from Norway. This is a really interesting group. They're all ex-marching band members that have got to the final of the Norwegian the Norwegian final for Eurovision Song Contest this year. And their whole goal is to promote marching band, concert band, and let people know that, you know, what we do is a really unique activity. Let kids know that what they do is cool. They are hoping to reach the Eurovision Song Contest finals this year. Their performance is on February 20th, and they'll find out then where they make it to the finals. You can do a couple of things to get involved in this right now. They're asking for musicians around the world to record themselves playing the drop from Let Loose, their song that they are entering into the Eurovision. Um, And they're asking people to support them by following them on Facebook, following them on the Facebook group. And if you're outside of Norway, you can still actually vote in the Norwegian final uh, finals uh, competition. So look, I love these guys. I'm interviewing them next week on the Global Band Room. That will be out the following week, just before their finals event. They are super cool. They're super talented. 
Um, so head over to the Global Band Room Facebook group, go and like Jorgen's uh, posts, and go over to the Blasmafian Facebook page and give them a like there. They also have a, a Blasmafian Facebook group. There's about 10,000 people in there that are all taking part in this project. So go ahead and give them a like. And lastly for today, you may be aware that we have a new podcast that goes out monthly called Repertoire Happy Hour. This is where we talk about band music, we plan an imaginary concert, and we have a drink or two while we're doing that. Well, this month's podcast, the January podcast, was all about hope. And usually you will be able to find that in the Global Band Room feed. Unfortunately, the internet connection on my end this month was really poor. And my apologies to anyone that was waiting to hear the podcast version of that. The video is up on YouTube and on the Facebook page and group. But the audio just wasn't strong enough to put out as a podcast this month. I will hopefully have those issues fixed for next month and we will be able to talk about all things Irish related in the band world on the final Saturday of February, the the final um, opportunity we have to do that before St. Patrick's Day this year. We'll be talking about Irish composers, we'll be talking about Irish bands, we'll be talking about music by international composers about Ireland. So if you have any interest in that, we are recording at 5pm Eastern, we do it live on the final Saturday of every month. So let's head over to our interview with Ryan Hancock from the Calgary Stampede show band. Ryan is a super nice guy. He does an amazing job with Calgary. If anyone has been at DCI finals or if they've been at Wamsby events or the WMC in Kirkcaldy, you may have come across the Calgary Stampede show band. They are world class. Ryan does an amazing job. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Ryan Hancock. So I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Hancock to the podcast today. Ryan is a director with the Calgary Stampede Band, one of the famous marching show bands. Um, and if you've ever gone to some of these big festivals around the world, the Wamsby World Finals or to WMC, you might have come across this this band or to DCI Finals where they've performed before. Ryan, how are you and how are things, uh, how are things in Calgary? Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Um, Calgary right now, you know, we're uh, in February. It's snowing outside. It's <clears throat> about to get down to minus 20 or minus 25 this weekend Celsius. So we're bracing for uh, a real winter this weekend. Well, so normally at this time of year, I know, you know, it's 2021. And if you're if you're if you're catching this podcast at some stage in the future, um, we are still in the middle of lockdown in many parts of the world. Uh, but what would you normally be doing in February when it's that cold? Would the, would the band be meeting and rehearsing and doing doing show work? Yeah, in a, a, a regular pre-COVID time, um, January and February is actually one of the, the busier times of year for the band between doing concert band rehearsals and performances, winter percussion with the, the drumline and front ensemble, winter guard. Um, you know, we're hosting shows, we're performing at shows all over the province in um, January, February, and sometimes a little bit into March. So it's, it's a lot quieter right now um, with the, uh, the virtual learning we're doing. You know, we get together still on Tuesday nights for about 90 minutes to work on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we've started doing weekend virtual band camps so we get together for about three hours on a saturday and sunday morning and uh, learn some music and and put some stuff together 
so what what is the situation right now in calgary um you know obviously different parts of the world are in different states of of lockdown um back in december i was doing some uh commentary work for for uil in texas where where the bands are actually uh they're marching again um and 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 that's the situation in texas but but in other parts of the world it's on complete lockdown like here what 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 sort of state is is calgary in at the moment yeah it's much different here compared to what i've seen in some of the um the states down in in the us right now in calgary we are um i don't know if you'd call it a lockdown but we have a lot of guidelines and restrictions we have to work towards so we can have a gathering of up to 10 people outside right now. There's no indoor gatherings allowed. Um, you know, restaurants are closed. Fitness studios are closed. Things like gathering for a, a band rehearsal, that's that's not able to happen right now. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, kind of looking optimistically to the future right now. Um, of course, everything can change within a matter of days. But um, the government right now for Alberta, where we are, they're looking at a, a staged reopening every three weeks. They open up a couple more things um, based on the rate of infection and hospitalizations and, you know, trying to plan for the future, but taking it very cautiously right now. So, oh, I, and I, I do want to get into a little bit about the, you know, the last 12 months in a, in a while. Um, but, but let's take a few steps back because most people I think may have heard of the, the Calgary Stampede and the Calgary Stampede show band, but I, but I do want to um, give people an opportunity to find out a little bit more about that band. And I think a great way to maybe explore how the band works is to talk about you because you're a product of the Calgary, Calgary Stampede show band. Isn't that right? Oh yeah. I was uh, a member of the band from, I guess the fall of 2002 until the spring of 2008. So I did, five and a half years in the group. Um, before moving on, I actually went and marched in drum corps down in the States with the, the troopers from Wyoming. Um, but I grew up kind of in the, the band community here in Calgary with the Roundup band and the Stetson band. And then also uh, the other drum corps that used to operate out of the city, Allegiance Elite. So my, you know, my adolescence from about the age of 12 to where I am now has been, uh, very very busy and shaped by the the band community here well well let's get let's get get into it so and, and talk a little bit about that beginning um did you come from a musical family ryan was was music part <laughs> of your 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 home was it something that you decided to do yourself no i i don't know that my parents <laughs> knew anything about music other than it was on the radio um you know they are very great at many other things um but music was certainly not something that um, resonated with anyone in my family that I'm aware of. So what what called you? And you uh, for, you are a drummer. So was it was it just that you know the you 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 wanted to sort of explore drums and you were one of those kids that seen these cool drummers and wanted to be one of them? Was was that the call, or did you see bands around that you wanted to be part of? Um, you know, it, it's kind of the I guess the the perfect story in some ways. Um, our family, they're from the East coast of Canada and, um, you know, my parents moved out to Alberta on the West side by the mountains for work. Um, my dad's a geologist. So, um, the work he specialized in was, was really good out here in Calgary. So, um, every July Canada day, we'd go to the mountains to Banff to watch the parade and we would always see the marching bands. And, 
um, you know, the Roundup and, and Stetson and Stampede Van, see them doing their thing there and thought, okay, that's cool. But it was actually my older sister. She started junior high school and, um, you know, there were other kids at her school that were a part of the Roundup band and she played trombone at the time. I mean, this is like ages and ages ago now thinking about that. Um, so she wanted to get involved in the band and she started as a, a color guard member with the the flags and the the other um, implements that you, you spin and have some fun with. And so she was my, I guess my gateway. She would have rehearsals and we would go pick her up and I was immediately drawn to the drum line. So for, I don't know if it was two or three years, anytime we were picking up or dropping off my sister at rehearsal, I tried to find the drum line and, and check that out. And I got started as soon as I could um, in grade seven in a year, the band was traveling to Australia. So the rule was, okay, we're only taking grade um, eights and grade nines, but because I was, you know, hanging around the band for so many years leading up to that, there was a bit of a relationship between um, whether it was myself or my family with some of the drum instructors, they knew that I was, you know, be committed enough um, to, to join. So I got the start in grade seven, um, playing the, the tiniest little bass drum in the roundup band. And I, I did three years in the roundup band, moved on to the, the Stetson band, did a year there, and then was able to um, have a successful audition and be accepted into the show band in the fall of 2002. So for anyone that isn't aware of these these different categories of bands, they're they're sort of they're they're very related to each other, but they but they are managed separately. Is that right? So you have the Calgary Roundup Band is sort of middle school age, Calgary right. Stetson is high school, and then Calgary Stampede Band is sort of later high school slash college age. I mean, uh, is that roughly about right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I could explain it better myself. Um, with, with the way most of the schools work here in, in Calgary, Alberta, you know, middle school is grade seven, eight, nine. That's where you're kind of first introduced to the, the music band activity. Um, and our schools, we don't have marching bands in the schools. Right. We, in the province of Alberta, we're four and a half million people or so. I think there's maybe five or six marching bands in the whole province. Um, mm -hmm. most of them are in Calgary, but there's a couple in, um, the cities of Red Deer and Edmonton as well. So, you know, we don't have that, that school marching band. So it's all community based. And, um, here in Calgary, um, you know, the community bands are the, the roundup band for middle school, like you said, the Stetson band for high school. And then, um, of course the show band for, uh, later high school and college age. So let's just talk a little bit of the history of those bands then. Um, so which band existed first? Uh, is it the Calgary Stampede show band? And, um, and, and, and what was the development of the other bands then outside of that? Actually, the first group that started, and you're going to test my, my, my <laughs> history here a little bit. I know a lot of it, but it's not perfect, that's for sure. But the first <laughs> band was actually the Roundup Band. And ah. they started as... Um, the school safety patrol band. And it was this, I think it was actually this big push in the, oh, I don't know the exact dates. Um, trying to think, I think in the 40th anniversary was 1999. So, so the late fifties, early sixties, there was a push for safety in the community with uh, a growing city, lots of vehicles um, mm. kind of on the road. So it, it kind of started 
um, a little bit related to safety. And, you know, there were other performing arts groups, um, a part of this, I think it was like a TV show that would have the, the safety roundup every Saturday. Um, and the band kind of evolved out of that in some way to the roundup band. In 1971, the show band started. So we're actually um, in our 50th anniversary season kind oh, of wow. as we speak right now, if we're able to really get off and, and finish this thing off. But um, so, yeah, we started with the show band in 1971. So we would have had those two groups. And then it was actually when the city hosted the Olympics in 1988, which was the Kickstarter to get the Stetson band started. So <laughs> there's no better way to promote road safety, by the way, than uh, driving behind a marching band. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I wish I could find this YouTube clip. I, maybe I'll, I'll send it your way, but... Do, you know, and I'll put, like it, I said, I'll put it, it in was, the show notes. Yeah, it was the, the safety roundup. And like, like I said, it was this show and you would have musical acts and uh, somehow a marching band kind of started from it. So, you know, the spirit of it, um, I guess, is this growing city um, starts this marching band and, you know, the city's been growing ever since. And these programs um, have also been growing and, um, you know, being able to travel around the world and share some of the, the Calgary and Western and Stampede spirit with everyone around the world. So tell me a little bit about the um, system then that, that those bands have. They, they, they're managed separately, but there's obviously a very strong connection because the Roundup and the Stetsons are obviously feeder bands for the Stampede. And I suppose there, there is, there's almost, there's a fourth band really to that, that whole uh, process then as well, isn't there? There's an alumni band, the, the Outriders, is that, did I get the name right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And the Outriders, you know, um, the special thing about them is, like you said, they're alumni, but they're also um, recognized as official volunteers with the, the Calgary Stampede. So, mm. um, you know, they volunteer their time by performing around, stampede park during the the festival in july cool and, and so so you could be 12 years of age joining the roundup band and just spend it spend the rest of your life really playing and performing as part of the the stampede um do the do the kids that come and join do they normally come with any sort of musical ability do they do they have to be learning outside or is the roundup band and then by extension, Stetsons and Stampede, are they responsible for most of the music education for the kids? So, yeah, as far as music education goes, when we're doing our recruiting, we, you know, we go into schools and we target the music students and, you know, some of the conditions for acceptance into the programs and being able to continue on is staying enrolled in your school music program, because mm -hmm. we know, um, you know, that's where they're, they're going to learn like the very, very base fundamentals. And then we hope to be able to, um, you know, extend on those, but with the marching activity, but we know um, we need the, the school bands, um, you know, to, to really build that community, to work together, to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're helping each other survive in, in many ways. We can't exist without the school bands and, you know, the school bands, hopefully they see value in the program that um, the musicians that do come, they are learning some extra skills and being able to make their school program a little bit stronger as well. Mm. And, and you said earlier on that like most of the schools in, in, in Alberta, certainly anyway, wouldn't have uh, marching bands. So does that mean that the bands that you're talking about here at the school programs, are they, are they mostly um, uh, 
concert band programs, wind ensembles, or would they have more of a sort of conservatory individual lesson sort of music program? What, what, what do the music programs look like in the schools that are supporting these bands? Yeah, most most music programs are just kind of a, I don't know how to explain it. Like here, I think of a, a stock concert band where you right. have your, you know, your woodwinds, your brass, some percussion. You know, there's the odd school that will have um, some strings here and there. It's really not that common at all. Um, mm. And there is one remaining high school marching band in oh, yeah. in the city of Calgary at Bishop Grandin high school um so they're they're still kicking around and they're a part of our community a very um, important and, and valued part of that community as well i mean and do you have any kids that are part of uh, of both there was a time when um probably like the late 90s early 2000s where you could be a part of both the bishop grandin band and the stampede band um you know when it came to stampede time and you do the 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 stampede parade the show band always starts it off and some of those high school groups, they would get put for far enough back in the parade that some people would finish the parade with the show band, hop into the bus and change uniforms, and then do it all again with a, their high school band. Um, mm. So we don't have that so much anymore where, you know, everyone is so busy in what they're trying to accomplish with the, the performance and educational part of the program that it doesn't really work to share members like it did in the past. But, um, you know, the the programs very much um, work in sync together. The director of the, the Grandin um, ghosts, Vince, he's an alumni of the show band. Oh, and, okay. you know, there's people on our staff teaching team um, who were um, in the Bishop Grandin band and the, the show band. There's some people who were in the Grandin band, but never in the show band, but now they teach with us. So we're, everything is very interconnected. So we're talking a lot about, the Calgary Stampede show band and and for many of us in the marching arts Calgary Stampede is sort of uh, synonymous with the band but but obviously for anyone that that isn't aware of the band the Stampede is is a huge huge part of of the Calgary um calendar um and and, and part of the the city's identity um tell me a little bit about the actual Calgary Stampede and and because it's because it's fundamental to the band's existence and purpose in many ways so tell me a little bit about the Calgary Stampede and um why a band was formed around that yeah the Stampede I mean that's 10 days a year where um time kind of stands still in Calgary if you work downtown um you're going to pancake breakfasts and I'm going to Stampede Park in the evenings. I don't know that there's much work that gets accomplished during those 10 days. <laughs> it's hard for me to, to really say because I've always, you know, since I was 12 years old, I've been involved in these marching bands. So I'm always really in tune to what's going on um, down at Stampede Park. But, mm. you know, the consensus I get is time really does stop and, and stand still for this festival. There's a, a rodeo every afternoon. There's a rodeo every evening. There's... Um, chuck wagon races and then after the races there's a big outdoor stage show they um they've got a stage on um on tracks like on wheels and it pulls up right in front of the grandstand where you would have watched the the chucks and the the rodeo earlier that day there's a ton of agriculture and education that happens throughout the park um mm. and little i mean everything from tractor shows to to horse shows to sheep shearing and 
I'm just trying to, to understand the agricultural part of um, where we live in Alberta on the western side and how that is such an important part of our, our history and our identity. There's, you know, the midway with the, the Ferris wheel and um, all the, the fun, weird food you get to eat with. You know, we've had pizza with scorpions on it and um, <laughs> deep fried Oreos, like anything you can think of. Like there's a, a guy, one of his jobs um, within the stampede is, you know, he talks to the food vendors and says, OK, what's the, the coolest, craziest thing you can come up with? Um, you know, there's a, a dog show. There's a market where local vendors can come and um, showcase their product. We have um, deep roots with our indigenous communities. They have a whole section of park um, where they set up traditional teepees. And again, you have this immersive educational experience where you can learn about their past as well. It's um, just such a huge cultural festival all around. Yeah, because... Uh, speaking as someone who had no sense of 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 Calgary and Calgary's culture and its and its past, I, I was quite quite surprised to have that it had this sort of um, uh, speaking like <laughs> as an Irishman here, like a Western sort of identity, you know. Um, and that identity isn't unique to parts of the U.S. That 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 idea of um, this agricultural Western sort of um, identity is is a big part of of Calgary's history, right? That that the 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 sort of the cowboy Stetson sort of imagery is is a big part of of the culture there too. Yeah, it's a huge part of our culture, you know. Many different cities have have nicknames, and one of the nicknames for Calgary is is Stampede City. It's the um, mm. you know the, the iconic Western part of of Canada in many ways, and we we try to celebrate that as much as we can. And it's it's one of those things like um, during during the year you don't see too many cowboys, right? Not here in the city. But for those 10 days, if you're not wearing jeans and a cowboy hat and a, a checkered shirt, <laughs> you don't fit in. And, um, you know, as, a, as someone who works for the Stampede, usually around late May, early June, you kind of get this unofficial statement from someone in the organization um, where they say, okay, it's time that you dress Western all day, every day. So, you know, you're wearing your cowboy boots, you're your jeans, your, um, your plaid shirts. And I remember having this weird run in, um, I went to like a hardware store to get something for the band, of course, um, mm. about, you know, maybe a week before stampede and I'm wearing my, my, my Western outfit and everyone else in the store, they're kind of looking at you like, what are you doing? It's not stampede yet. Why are you dressed like that? But then <laughs> for these 10 days during stampede, like everyone, and I mean, everyone is um wearing the the western paraphernalia and and does it sit well with people like you know does does i can imagine that it, you know if you don't have a sort of a a, a cowboy sort of uh, vibe to you that like for that one week in a year it might be like oh man th this doesn't feel that comfortable with me or is it because like everyone's wearing it so this this feels absolutely normal to be wearing this I, I think it's more towards the, this feels absolutely normal. Of course, you know, we've got a million people in the city. So there's always going to be people who they don't 
enjoy the festival or the mm -hmm. celebration. So some people, those 10 days, that's their, that's their vacation from the city. They're going to go to the mountains or somewhere else. They, they don't necessarily enjoy being a part of it, but I, I like to think the the large majority of people in the city um, are really excited and, um, you know, welcome the celebration that Stampede is. Because the reason I ask that is because, you know, it's actually really a big part of the band's identity then. You know, um, for anyone that has uh, seen videos of the band, maybe it's the videos of you playing at Soundsport uh, or Drumline Battle uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, those videos were very popular. Or maybe it's the videos from WMC or any of the Wamsby finals that you've been at. Uh, but the band has a, a Western identity. Like you have a traditional uniform, like a band uniform with, with a Stetson. Uh, but then you have an even more Western jeans and, and shirt sort of look with the Stetsons as well, which is so cool and so unique and, and so identifiable. So the, 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 the band was, was, was formed to, to celebrate the, the, the stampede. Um, is that right? And, and can you tell me a little bit about the, the foundation of the, the stampede band it's, itself? Um, not, not outside of the roundup, not, not including the roundup, but the actual stampede band. Yeah, this is it. You know, as we're doing research on the 50th anniversary, I don't, I don't know the exact details of, of how it all got started, um, and you know that opportunity to to have the the festival have their own band. I know there is a rich history of, um, you know, the Sousa bands coming and performing, and you know that desire for the Stampede to to kind of have their own band just like that, and even. I don't, maybe it was the, the 60s or the 70s. I think the Troopers, um, they came and they did some performances um, from Wyoming. They came up and I think that helped to shape the direction of the band at some point. But I don't, I don't know the exact, um, you know, story and reasoning of how the, the seed was planted and, and, and how it really grew from there. But, you know, as you talk about the, the uniform and, you know, those, those Western pieces of the uniform, yeah, you know, things that we did back in 1971 that we still do today. We have the white cowboy hat. We have the, the red cowboy boots that we wear. And, you know, that's, that's changed a little bit over the years. Um, I remember even, I think it was up until my last or second last year in the band, we would wear the red cowboy boots when we performed the field show. So, really? you know, we're marching around at 180 beats per minute on grass or or concrete with these cowboy boots and it was like you know when when we made the switch to wear proper marching shoes it was like this big deal like what what do you mean we're not gonna wear the, the red cowboy boots um now for and, anyone that's in a drum corps and complaining about having to do some sort of difficult uh routine just know that the stampede <laughs> show band had to do it in cowboy boots <laughs> yeah and you know certainly the product we put out there is stronger now that we have more traditional, um, you know, marching attire and equipment to use. But back then, yeah, it's kind of the, the, the way it was. And, you know, cowboy boots, they're, they're not the most comfortable thing. They're hundred percent authentic. We get them custom made by the Alberta boot company, um, uh, a hometown company here. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like we also wear the jeans. We don't wear those for the, the show performances anymore, but, for you know the general um, outfit for a day of the uh, the stampede for the show band is the afternoon when it's a lot warmer. Um, you know we're wearing the the red boots 
the the black jeans, the red kind of western shirt and the cowboy hat and those red western shirts thank goodness when it's really hot you can roll up those sleeves and you can still have that uniform look and then in the afternoon we put on more of a traditional marching band outfit with the the bibbers and the the jacket um, but we still wear those red boots and the, the white cowboy hat so we have kind of two distinct looks that we wear throughout the day and you know with all the performances we do we'll do anywhere from 10 to 15 different uh, um, performances or appearances during a day. So you do need to have multiple outfits because, um, you know, they, they get used, they, they need to be aired or, or washed or cleaned. So over the years, I've had the pleasure to host many visiting international bands, choirs and orchestras here in Ireland alongside my own bands and groups. Every one of these events is exciting, and my favourite part of each exchange is seeing the musicians, kids and adults, interact with each other, sharing their stories and experiences. If it wasn't for the accent, I'm not sure I could identify my own band kids sometimes. So, when I got into the music travel business, I wanted to make sure I was working with a company that understood that these exchanges were at the heart of the experience, and not just something to be ticked off an itinerary. I've been so fortunate to find not one, but two companies, Celtic Horizon Tours in Ireland and Kaleidoscope Adventures in Florida. They share these values and they respect the ensembles and students that they work with. So whether you're trying to plan a domestic tour in the US with the highest of standards for ensuring your group is safe and healthy, or whether you're starting to plan for that international trip in 2022, you can contact me at keith at globalbandroom.com to start working with me and these world-class student travel teams. And while you're doing that, you're supporting the podcast and documentaries. Thank you. So what does the rest of the year look like, Ryan? Uh, obviously, those 10 days are incredibly busy and that's sort of the probably at the heart of the 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 existence of the the Calgary Stampede band but what does the rest of the 355 days look like yeah so usually we begin the the program year just like a school year in September um I'm gonna pull up a calendar so I don't forget anything as I kind of go through September October you know we're we're trying to get the new band um kind of together and and learning some foundational exercises and music November, you know, we're looking at doing um, some, some festival or sorry, some festive stuff like Santa Claus parade down in Fort McLeod, a couple hours away. We do a, um, a Christmas concert with some of the other, um, the other local marching bands at the, the big Jubilee auditorium in Calgary, December. It's a little bit slower with the, the Christmas holiday season. So we only, get about two or three weeks of rehearsal there. But then, like I said, when we get to January, it's kind of um, full throttle with the concert band stuff, the Mm. winter uh, percussion and guard. So that's January and February. Meanwhile, in January with our weekend band camps, we start to work on the summer field show with Mm. the, the drill and the staging there. So that drill and staging, you know, if it's in four parts with the show, we do, one part in January, one part in February, another part in March, another one, the final one in April, 
and usually March and April, that's like the the dog days of the season. There's not a lot of performances. Right. You know, we're just constantly rehearsing and working on the field show. It's really hard to get that, um, you know, that that feedback, that gratification about all the hard work you're doing. Mm. But then we get to May, and um, that's our our field show performance season. That's where that starts. So we usually have probably one or two field show performances in May. We start to do some community parades. Again, June with um, stampede prep, field show performances, a couple of local parades. And then July, that's really where things hit with Canada Day on July 1st, always going out to um, the, the mountains to do those performances I talked about before, which mm. was, I guess, that initial thing that got me involved. Right. So that's always special for me. Um, and then those 10 days in July for Stampede always starts on the first Friday of July, as long as that Friday is not July 1st or 2nd. So um, in, a, in a regular year, we're done most of our, um, our season, most of our performances by mid-July. And then uh, we always plan to have some sort of tour travel, whether it's going overseas to Europe for WMC, traveling down to um, Indianapolis for DCI, We've gone to Brazil with uh, Wamsby competitions before and many, many other places. Mm. That typically happens after Stampede in July or August. There's the odd year where if Stampede is really late, like it will be in 2021. We would go down to Chicago area and do the, the MACVITA circuit, Mid-America Competitive Band Directors Association. Mm. Go do you know four or five shows down there. We've traveled um, to Halifax on the East Coast to do the Halifax tattoo before Stampede before. So, you know, July, end of June, July, that's really the the busiest part of the season. But we're almost kind of going year round. There's a couple of years. I think um, Japan in 2013, we had, I don't know if it was like one and a half or two weeks off between the the end of one season and the beginning of the next like there's been some years where the, the Christmas holiday break is longer than the break between the end and the beginning of the season. It's It seems like your season, there's there's a lot of similarities between your season and how a drum corps would work as well. And a lot of people that listen to the podcast will be drum corps fans. Um, is that by design or is it just circumstance because your stampede is in the middle of July? So obviously the sort of the season works kind of around that or has Calgary sort of looked to the drum corps um, for inspiration and in how they design their season? Because you yourself, um, we'll get into this, um, you've marched uh, drum corps and, and there's actually quite a strong connection between Calgary Stampede and many different drum corps with a lot of members uh, um, going and, and taking part in drum corps in, in the US. Yeah, so the, the structure of our season is completely independent of the drum corps season. You know, it's very, very focused on what does the the stampede and the performances in July, what does that look like? And that's kind of what drives it. And, you know, of course, following that, that school calendar as well. I don't know if it's the same where you are, but for us, the fall in September, that's where everyone kind of starts their extracurricular activity, whether that is maybe it's hockey or dance or marching band. Most of those things begin in September, October. And they kind of follow that same arc of the school year. 
you mentioned already then a little bit about Wamsby, uh, and I've brought it up a couple of times on podcasts, speaking to different uh, guests. We had uh, yeah, Jan Hansen uh, on there recently from Denmark, uh, who judges at many of the events. The, for anyone that's new to the podcast, Wamsby is the World Association of Marching Show Bands. And I think it's fair to say that the heart of Wamsby lies in Calgary. Can you tell me a little bit about Wamsby and Calgary's close association with it as an organization? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly close. Um, the Wamsby headquarters is in Calgary. Um, you know, the, the leader of Wamsby, Mr. Eklund, um, Robert Eklund, to anyone who was never a student of his, but um, Mr. Eklund, he, he, he helped to, to start that Wamsby organization. And that's kind of, um, you know, one of his, his big legacies he leaves. Um, so he's still involved with that. And, you know, he was once the, the director of the show band, I think up until the, the late nineties, early two thousands, he was the, the director here. So there's very much a huge connection between the, the show band and the Wams organization. Absolutely. And I believe, well, I, sorry, I don't believe I, I know this for sure. The very first Wamsby finals was in Calgary in 1996. Yeah, that's that's what I that's that's what I believe as well. And um and and then it sort of it 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 blossomed out of out of Calgary, but has very much sort of um Calgary has been its its mecca as you <laughs> if, if you will, uh, and and just returned to Calgary very recently. Actually, uh, was probably was the last. Wamsby finals to be held before the pandemic. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, we hosted in 2019 in July at the Stampede. So we've hosted, um, we've hosted that first one, and I guess the last one, and a couple in between. So 1996, um, and the show band was fortunate to to win that competition again in um, 2000. We hosted, and um, again it was another close close fight um, for for first place, but we were able to come out on top again in 2012 for the hundredth anniversary of the stampede. We hosted Wamsby. Mm. Um, and you know, once again, we were able to, to have some great success there and be first place. And then, um, like we just talked about in 2019, the, the last one that we were able to have, um, we also were able to, to put together a great show with some great performers and, um, come in first place as well. So like, I mean, Calgary, Calgary is is both uh, important to Wamsby and Wamsby is important to Calgary. They seem to be uh, very very much uh, intermixed. Um, and 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 the the show band has actually traveled outside of Calgary then to go to some of these Wamsby finals. Uh, you've been part of some of that. Tell me about you know traveling with Calgary Stamp- Stampede and, and not only to Wamsby finals but to WMC or to DCI finals and and performing uh, at Soundsport there. Um, travel seems to be a, a big part of your your band's existence. Yeah, travel is is definitely um, a core to to the the show band and, and our success um, in many ways. I know hearing stories from some of the the first people um, in the group in 1971. There was another marching band at the time. I, th- I think it was an Optimist or a Rotary Club band, and the, the show band started. And one way they were able to to attract people to be a part of the organization, they traveled to um, perform at the Grey Cup, which is kind of like the Canadian Super Bowl, the Grey Cup um, football game. 
So travel is always kind of at the at the core in many ways and helps define any given season. Um, you know, 2020 will be defined in, in many different ways. And 2021, we don't have any travel planned, obviously. But, you know, the, the 49 years previous to that, the band would always travel somewhere. Maybe it was Edmonton, which is just a couple hours away, or British Columbia, again, just a couple hours away. Or, um, you know, more recently when I've been involved, we've done Japan, Brazil, um, Europe um, for WMC and um, many other places as well. So, you know, when you're talking about uh, a season in the show band, you know, you say the year, maybe it was 2007, you know what the field show was and you know what the, the tour and travel was. Right. Like those are very, very important things, you know, when outsiders are welcomed into the, the circle of, of different friends, um, had a good friend, you know, his girlfriend, now wife, um, and former director of the band, she would, I think it was her that would say, yeah, band people, when they talk, they're always talking about what year it was, um, what the show was and where the tour, where the, <laughs> where the tour was. So it's, you know, it, it's very important to the the success and the culture of the band. That's for sure. So what has 20, what has the impact of 20? You, we talk about travel and how that's so important to the band and, and, and the show is so important to the band but 2020 has meant that there is no travel as you as you say there is no travel and there's no show so how has calgary stampede um managed that what have you done over the last year and and i suppose for this coming year what are your what are your plans around um uh, managing this this pandemic and keeping the kids engaged and interested so that they're ready to go when they when the time comes again yeah so 2020 you know, like many, um, well, like every other part of the world, it was kind of a, a hard stop to to everything with the show band, kind of um, so much uncertainty and looking out for, for public health and all those kind of things. So um, our last rehearsal together was actually March 10th, Tuesday night. Um, and even then, like we, we didn't really see this thing coming, obviously. Um, and we were able to get back together and begin rehearsals again. Um, October, I think it was October 13th or 14th or 15th of this year. So quite a long break in between. And yeah. and when we did get started, you know, it was going to be um, about being kind of movement and marching focused and not planning to play the wind instruments just yet because we didn't know how to properly do that safely and what was going to be allowed in the province. So we actually put um, everyone into these percussion ensembles, like a, a stomp group. Um, mm. So we had, we had 10 different ensembles. Every group had um, a very, I guess, diverse mix of people um, in that you had first year members all the way up to, to fifth year members. You had, you know, try to balance it as much as you can between gender, between instrument. Um, you know, every group would have, you know, a certain amount of woodwinds and brass and percussion and color guards. So you're really trying to, to mix and diversify these groups um for the these these stamp ensembles as we called them and we had some performances <laughs> lined up and I like um that. yeah um we had performances lined up and with you know that big second wave coming in november and december we had to postpone all of our activities um so we didn't have performances we went online and you know i think we'd really struggle at first to figure out 
how to to do things online, especially with these um, percussion ensembles, because the people leading the percussion ensembles weren't always percussion teachers. So not only are they trying to navigate how to teach virtually, but they're teaching percussion virtually to people who are playing percussion, but aren't necessarily percussionists and they're trying to learn virtually. So it didn't really work out. And, you know, we certainly um, took some, some time to figure out exactly how to do it. But coming into January, we kind of did a refocus, really looking forward to um, what the summer hopefully brings with um, a stampede festival and stampede performances. So we started to work on, um, you know, the winds playing their instruments at home virtually and being a part of these mini virtual sectionals working together. And we're only a couple weeks in, but so far the feedback we've been getting from the students, we have them fill out a, um, a two stars and a wish feedback form every, every rehearsal, just so we know what, what's going well and, you know, what can we do a little bit better? And recently the comments have been like this, you know, actually feels like a rehearsal. I'm so excited. Um, you know, just comments like that. Mm. And you hear these things and it, it really motivates you to continue to, to make that experience better. You know, when people are excited to be, um, you know, having that opportunity to be at home, learning actions to a song um, and the choreography that way, or just playing their instrument with a goal and a purpose, it, it's making um, a huge difference so far. Tell me, Ryan, what, what have you personally missed most over over the last over the last year um you know when i ask people that question i i I get all sorts of answers but it's um uh you know it's sorry i'll rephrase that question i'm starting to give an answer myself there (laughs) so tell me ron what have you missed most over the last year um from performance to rehearsals um, and, and i suppose what what have you not missed uh this year too Oh man, that's a, that's a tough question. There's so many things that you miss. Um, you know, I miss seeing something come together, you know, this project that starts as, as ideas and words and morphs into music and drill on a page. And then that turns into people playing that music and moving around and putting these visions together. Um, like I miss, I guess that, um, climax of of all these ideas um you know in july it was weird to be outside experiencing that july weather but not um having that that busy excitement wearing the the cowboy outfits and you know sharing excitement with so many other people around the city that was that was really weird and i definitely missed that Um, you know things you don't miss like right now we're we're working from home so I you know I I don't miss having to to stare at my um, my closet and try to figure out what pants I'm gonna try to fit into and and shirt and you know like you get to be a little bit more comfortable at home and I do appreciate that I really appreciate um, being able to you know spend more time with with my family and with my wife where you know um i kind of joke about it because every time we eat a meal we eat the exact same thing like her and i she her plate looks exactly like my plate because that's that's kind of how you cook at home where we were used to 
um, you know, we would both be very busy. She um, would be teaching the Stetson band and I'd be working with the show band and she's in a choir and, you know, I'm helping out with a band festival here. So it was very rare that we um, would have these opportunities just to even be at home to eat dinner more than a couple times during a regular week. Um, and now it's, it's like completely opposite where, like I said, um, you know, we, our plates look the exact same. So, um, looking, I guess, looking forward to being able to enjoy dinner with her, but not be eating the exact same thing, um, <laughs> as we, we go through that. Um, yeah, like I, you know, the biggest thing I, I miss is just kind of being outside and, being a part of it and hearing the sounds. We listen to recordings as we're putting um, music together for the the band to play this summer. And we have recordings of what we played in the past of that. And, you know, just those distinct sounds of the percussion and, um, and the wind instruments, just like really, really excited to hear that again, because it's, um, it's just not the same on a recording. And, you know, you, you want to feel that you want to feel the music. That's one thing that makes marching band, whether it's, you know, a marching band or, or drum corps, but that's one thing that makes it so special is you have those moments and performances and shows where you can feel it. Like the, mm. the sound hits you. And um, I'm looking forward to being punched in the face by, by the sound at some point. And, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite sounds is just the sound of, uh, of, of warming up, you know, just, you know, the band two minutes before you take to the podium, everyone just warming up, playing their instruments. That's just a sound I haven't heard in a long time. And, and, and so whether it's the sound of that big punchy brass line and a drum core, or whether it's the sound of the drum line doing their thing, or just even the sound of 50 people, a hundred people just playing and warming up their instruments and, you know, messing around on scales and playing a high C when they shouldn't be trying to play that high C. And yeah, you know, like, hearing those sounds and just thinking like, could mm. you just stop? Like, that's really, <laughs> that's a little too much for me right now. Yeah. It, it would be great to have that moment of um, being, I guess, I don't know if an oid is the right word, but um, <laughs> just that feeling right that there's, there's, there's too much going on right now. There's not enough, going on especially like in person there's just not enough i want to you know I, I can't wait to be busy i can't wait to um you know miss lunch um <laughs> on a, a band camp weekend because there's just so much going on mm. you know I, i'm looking forward to that so tell me ryan where can people find out more about uh the calgary stampede band and, and the calgary stampede itself as as well um for anyone that would like to know more yeah i mean um easy answer is just to, to Google it, Google the, the Calgary stampede, Google the Calgary stampede show band, you know, Google, um, the roundup band, the Stetson band, the Bishop Grand and ghosts, the red deer Royals, um, you know, marching band, Alberta, like just Google it up. You can search those things on YouTube too, and, and find different performance clips. You'll maybe see, um, these bands performing on the steps, or maybe they're doing Oh Canada before the, the chuck wagon races or maybe it's a field show in calgary or um the netherlands or brazil or something all this stuff you know it's really just um finding those those keywords and, and searching them up on youtube google instagram facebook 
we're out there you can find us yeah well you are one band that's certainly out there and and uh it, you know lots of bands if you do go onto google and you search them it might be you might be a, a while searching you won't be you won't be long searching calgary stampede show band if you put it in it's right up there at the top and there's just a ton of youtube clips and social media um you you won't have any 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 problem finding uh, information about the calgary stampede show band and you can go to globalbandroom.com and go to the show notes for this episode and you'll be able to find all the information there as well ryan thank you so much for joining me uh, it's an absolute pleasure and uh, my best to you and to your family and to your band um, and may you be back in your rehearsal room and back on the field this year sometime yeah, I can't wait to, uh, to show you what we've been working on and hopefully we can meet up in person, whether that's in Chicago or Ireland or maybe get you over here to Calgary for the Stampede one day. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having an in-person connection with you again. I can't wait to wear those boots and that Stetson at some point. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Thanks. So thank you so much to Ryan Hancock from the Calgary Stampede Show Band for joining me on this week's episode. We have some amazing guests coming up over the next couple of months. We have John Meaton, brass caption head of the Blue Devils Drum and Bugle Corps. We have Amy Knops, director of bands at University of Missouri. Uh, next week we have Blas Mafian, who I mentioned earlier are doing amazing work and hoping to inspire kids all across Europe and the world through their entry at the Eurovision Song Contest this year. So please, if you are interested in any of that, if you'd like to find out more about the show or the documentaries that we've done, you can head over to globalbandroom.com and you can find out about all of the podcasts and uh, find our social media there. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. It's all at Global Bandroom. And as I mentioned earlier on, the place to really be is the Facebook group where people are always sharing ideas of virtual projects and what their bands are getting up to all over the world. We like to showcase the differences and the similarities between musicians all across the world and that's definitely the place to do it. So head over to Facebook and join our Facebook group. I'll be back next week with another great episode, but until then, stay safe and I'll see you back in the band room. <laughs>